Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake. Let's listen in today to a conversation I had with two dear friends, mother and daughter, as we see Elizabeth and Zachariah and their circle of friends and neighbors and their reaction to when baby John is born. You probably already know that Rustic Lantern carries home goods, but did you know that they carry furniture and lighting and clothing? Did you know that you can purchase items right off their website? Check out rusticlanternco.com. Today I'm with two of my favorite people, Katie Buckles and her daughter, Riley Newman. Hey guys. Hey. Thank you so much for having us. Well, it's super fun to have you today. We, uh, our families have had so much fun together. We've played together. We've walked through highs and lows together. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, we just played One one Night Werewolf, and uh, Riley and I were werewolves, and I had to... <laughs> I had to uh, to let you die. I had to let you get better off because I couldn't. I couldn't rescue you. So, will you give me another chance? Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime you want. <laughs> so, incidentally, I have put books and games on the website amoonthedark.com. Cool. So, some of our fa- our family favorites and code names is another we've played that is yes. a great family or just big group game. Really. Yes. Katie, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yes. Well, I was just thinking the Blakes have really walked um, with us through many different life stages and family stages. And so um, now um, we're living in Griffin and we are the Buckles family. I'm married to Tyler Buckles and uh, we have Riley, of course, and then we have two little ones. Um that are three and two. So we're in a world of toddlers and teens. It's pretty crazy at our house, Um, but we're thankful. We're thankful that God has grown us. Yes. And Riley, you're 15. Yes, ma'am. In 10th grade. Yes, ma'am, I am. And enjoying all the the parts of high school. All the parts of high school. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I play soccer at Spalding, and I... You're the class president. I'm the class president. Which is fun. Yes, it is. It is. I really enjoy reading books and writing, and those are some of the things I've shared with the Blake family over the years. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm so happy to have you. God's fingerprints are all over both of your lives, and it's um, just an honor to be able to be your friends. Thanks, Ellen. Um, Yeah, so we're going to get into the scripture. We're reading in Luke 1, starting at verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zachariah after his father. And yet his mother responded and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There was no one among your relatives who is called by this name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. And they were all amazed. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue freed, and he began speaking in praise of God. And fear came upon all those who lived around them, and all these matters were being talked about in the entire hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with them. 
And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the name, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, also will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine on those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So what we're doing in our study is we want to first see what do we see about God the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And each passage that we are looking at over the Christmas story might have a little more of one or more of the other. So what are you what do you all see um, maybe about God the Father? Well, one of my favorite parts of this passage when I was reading it is in the first part under the heading, John the Baptist is born. And I love some of the contrast and yet not a contrast at, of all, uh, not a contrast at, at all about where it talks about God, because it talks about how the Lord disp- displayed great mercy towards Elizabeth. I mean, Elizabeth was barren and then she gave birth, which is a miracle. And that's so incredible. But then later in the passage, he calls for obedience from Zachariah and Elizabeth for the name of John to be given to the child. And even though their friends and their culture and their religion and everything that makes up who they are was calling for them to name him after a family member, they obeyed God. And their friends that didn't, it said the fear of God came upon them, the mm-hmm. awe-inspiring, terrifying fear. And so just through this passage, we see you know, a balance of it's not, oh, he's merciful sometimes and he's terrifying others. It's, it's all of it intertwined. Mm. That's awesome. That's really neat to notice that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those passages that where you can see God the Father almost um, as the playwright and the author. He's orchestrating things, but he's also speaking himself into the play. He's putting himself as a character in, mm. in the play and putting skin on. And so there are mentions of his visitation through Jesus. And they even use that word that he will visit us, that he will come to us. And so I think one of the ways I noticed that was just all the verbs. (laughs) This is my English major coming out, (laughs) but all of the verbs as you read through both the story and then specifically the, the prophecy by Zachariah in the second half, there are so many verbs of what God is doing. He is the main 
actor. He is the main protagonist, and he, it says, and these are in no certain order, but he accomplishes redemption. He speaks. He shows mercy. He grants. He remembers. He shines. He gives. He guides. He visits. He raises up. He fills. He swears. He rescues. He calls. So all these things that he, all these ways he's pursuing and he's orchestrating the timeline and the time to then like you said, Ellen, to, to for the next step of himself coming to this world mm-hmm. as Jesus, as a baby in the manger. Yeah. It's amazing. I love how he's talking about Jesus, that the sunrise from on high will visit us in verse 78 and then 79, that Jesus would be the one to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So he's showing all that God has done and God is doing, and then Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit is here, too, moving. Yes. What is the Holy Spirit doing? Well, we see that Zechariah was filled with the Spirit before this prophecy. Um, and so we know that God himself was in Zechariah and giving him these words and these ideas. And even that picture of a sunrise and light in the darkness, that was mm. from God. It wasn't just manufactured mm. by a man. It was more than that. Yeah. It was the Holy Spirit in him. Is there anything that challenged you personally from this passage? I, I definitely was challenged in Elizabeth's reaction to the whole thing. Um here it was time for Elizabeth to give birth to a son. And her, it says her neighbors and relatives heard about his mercy. So obviously Elizabeth had been talking about the Lord. Mm. They had heard from somebody and her husband couldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> so Elizabeth had been talking and giving glory to God. And her neighbors and relatives knew what had been happening. And then they all came on the eighth day. Um and they, they were going to call him Zechariah, the text said. So the the neighbors and relatives were naming the baby. And, and yet the mother responds, Elizabeth says, no, his name shall be call, called John, which was the name entrusted to Zechariah. And then her husband backs that up and write, writes on a ta- tablet, yes, his name is to be John. So she bucks tradition and um, the cultural norm of him being named the father's name and possibly other people naming the child and says, no, um, his name is to be John. And I think that name is significant. Ellen, you have a child named John. Yes. It's Yahweh is gracious. So we see Yahweh being gracious, not only to her, but to all the people in the land of Israel and then all of the world. Yes. At this time, one thing that I did not know, I just was reading in a couple commentaries that the people were making signs to him. And I thought that was just funny that, that because he had to make signs, they were making signs to him. Yeah. But the commentator said that he might not have been able to hear either since the time in the temple when Gabriel spoke to him. I never even thought of that. I know. Isn't that? I hadn't either. So I wonder if for nine months. He really was in silence, both speaking and hearing. Yeah, maybe so. So I'd never thought of that before. And so we're seeing this moment that his voice comes back 
Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. But when he prophesies is when his he he gets his voice again. Yeah. Well, Amazing. I've been thinking about how it challenges me that not only were they not going to give him the name Zechariah, but but also he would have been, I think, in the line of the priesthood. It's his father was a priest. But what hmm. challenges me here is that God is calling him to something different hmm. and to be able to let my children do whatever God is calling them to, whether that seems like, you know, it's not my, not that I would try to tell them what they need to do mm-hmm. their life, but in case I would have that tendency. Oh, uh, yeah. That, I think um, most moms do. You know, this is something God wants. God wants to do a new movement and break the mold here. Yes. And I kind of have a feeling that's why he has older parents and why he was a miracle baby, because they needed to hear from the Lord that this is going to be something completely different. Because at the end here, it says that he became strong in spirit and lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So for his parents to be able to say, go do what God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. And even they may, you know, who mm-hmm. knows when they passed away, mm-hmm. how old they were. Mm-hmm. And if he was ensconced in his ministry in the middle of the desert, they had to let mm-hmm. him go and do mm-hmm. that. So what about encouraging our hearts? What do y'all see? I think one thing that encouraged me is it. the passage speaks about in verses 72 and 73, part of the prophecy. It says, To show mercy to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. And so that just kind of it speaks of God's promise in the Old Testament and it speaks of his promises and delivering Moses and his people from the desert. And, you know, it's all intertwined throughout the Bible. There's promises and it's parallels and it goes over and over again. And, you know, Baron Elizabeth, you know, probably wasn't going to have a child if it wasn't for God's intervention. So his promise to her and his promise to Abraham, and it's just, it just continues to show his promises and his promises today for us of his son Jesus and how our lives, how he promises salvation for those who believe in him. And that's just an encouraging thought that it's not just, he didn't just fulfill his prophecies in the Old Testament or his promises. He didn't just fulfill his promises in the New Testament, but he continues to fulfill them. Girl, thank you. Yes, that is so good. It is. It's like this timeless mercy of looking backwards and forwards, and God is the same. And even the sunrise uh, metaphor or, you know, prophecy that you were talking about, Ellen, I think is a picture of that. And that was an encouragement to me of um, just both that the sun comes up every day. And that God's faithfulness is every day for me in the little things of raising my kids and of the hard moments that I can know that God is faithful every day and that the sun rises. But also to see a sunrise, there's there's a, brill, a, a moment of brilliance mm. there when you see a sunrise. And that's where I want to grow is seeing God's brilliance. And when I look at Jesus, do I see just his beauty, um, yes, his faithfulness, yes, that he is constant, but also to be in awe of him like a sunrise and just to to be in awe that he is truly God. Mm. 
Thank you. That is really a beautiful picture. And hope. I feel hope when you yes. talk about sunrise. You, know, you wait. At the dawn is the darkest yes. part. Yes. And we need hope right and now. Was, <laughs> right. And even then, it was dark. Herod was king, and the Romans were there, and they were looking for that sunrise. Yes. Yes. Mm, that's really beautiful. The sunrise from on high will visit us. Well, my last thing that is encouraging to me is that God is showing people in this hill country of Judea that he was moving mm-hmm. if they were paying attention. And mm-hmm. these, these neighbors and friends were paying attention, but I wonder for how long did they, I wonder if they thought, I wonder what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And then if they connected the dots in a few months when something crazy was reported in Bethlehem or, mm-hmm. you know, what, um, and even the people back in the temple that saw Zechariah come out of the temple having seen a vision or these people watching. I guess I want to want to say is that am I alert and watching for God's movement in history right now? And am I tuned to what God is doing? Or am I busy with my own projects? Mm-hmm. And am I alert to see and to connect the dots? Right. Um, and even if there's an interesting story about something God seems to be doing, do we laugh at it and go, oh, that's dumb. That that's can't crazy. be God. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Or do we kind of perk up and go, well, I don't know if that's real. Maybe I'll check it out. But maybe yeah. God is moving in a weird way. Yes. Because he never seems to do the same thing twice. Yes. So that's encouraging to me to perk up and to be on alert and just to talk with other people who might want to know what God is doing. Right. To kind of have your ear to the ground. Of what mm-hmm. God is doing and, and to be listening, looking and in what he's doing in our own lives too, you know, of, of, of connecting the dots. Like you said, that, um, if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you're not sure who he is of leaning into that, of leaning into those doubts and, and chasing those trails until, you know, um, mm-hmm. until you have an answer. So, Katie, how has this part about Jesus being a sunrise from on high, how is that more than just a metaphor or a poem or a prophecy for you? How has that been for you? Yeah, great question. I think growing up in the South, that um, scripture like this can become um, rote or just, just beautiful words. But as I grew in my faith, as I had the responsibility of my firstborn, like Elizabeth had her firstborn, um, God began to become even more real to me. And I would say that in the darkest times of um, really losing my first marriage and of being a single mom for a time, that the Lord became even more real and present and it was in the darkest times, in the most uncertain times, when dreams had been broken, that he became more beautiful and more brilliant and more consistent in my life. Just like that sunrise of, of walking with him and talking with him and seeing him his brilliance against the backdrop of darkness and of, of hard and, and confusing times. So I'm just thankful that he's real. He's real and that he walks with us through it all. And it, the the joy on your face right now, which the audience can't see, is what uh, one of the things that makes you so unique, the way that you live that joy and you ha- live in forgiveness and you're always gathering people around you and trying to show them the love of God. 
and pouring into other people in any way that you can in the middle of your busy life. So mm, I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we definitely see it. Don't we Riley? Absolutely. Yes. The beauty mm-hmm. of that sunrise reflecting in your life. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you both for being here. It is just really fun to get together. It went by too fast. Thanks Ellen. Thank you thank for you. having us. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and to head over to amooninthedark.com to get your ebook and see the other resources. Also remember to get the app from Rustic Lantern on the Google Play Store and the App Store and to check them out at rusticlanternco.com. I hope you'll join us next time as I sit down with two of my favorite guy friends and we explore the question, what do you do when God throws you a curveball? But for now, I leave you with peace for your day and peace for your night.